And today, you know, the talk I wanted to give because, you know, of the very special times we are in, I wanted to speak in what's called the four heavenly or the four divine messengers. Don't know if I've heard about that. That's a, yeah, also a traditional legend, actually. And it speaks about, you know, what motivated the Buddha to actually, you know, leave behind his life which was actually quite good. We had a lot of opportunities. And then, you know, he experienced those four heavenly messengers. And then because of that, he felt a sense of urgency. And that set him on the path. And then, as we all know, you know, he was successful, very successful. And he left us with his insights, you know, which is the Buddha Dhamma. And those four foundations of mindfulness I've been speaking about, they are basically the essence in terms of, you know, the, the practical application of the teachings. If we don't, you know, drive it home by practicing in those four foundations of mindfulness, we will not really benefit. You know, we might be great scholars, but our minds will not be liberated from greed, hatred and delusion because we have to apply the teaching, you know, by being, you know, bearing witness to what the mind does and then relate that to the, to the teachings and, you know, bear with the unpleasant feeling tones, you know, which arise if we can't really go down the same alley of habitual patterns because that's unpleasant. That's why many people are not interested in doing it. So, you know, if we don't have a enough sense of urgency, we will not be motivated to, to bear it. And that's why I wanted to speak about the four heavenly messengers today. And, you know, the legend has it. And it's, it's, it's a myth, you know, but myths can speak to us, you know, in very loud language. So, you know, we can take advantage of that myth. And it speaks about, you know, when the Buddha was 29, was the first time that he actually stepped out of his protected life situation because his father wanted, <coughs> you know, didn't want him to really um, know the way things truly are. Because when the Buddha was born, you know, some of the... Uh, seers of his time predicted that he would be a very special individual that either you know he would be a buddha or he would be like a world ruler and his father wanted him to not be a buddha but rather a world ruler so he tried you know to kind of uh, keep him you know away from any kind of uh, suffering so that he wouldn't be motivated to seek for a way out you know which is what a buddha does so he tried to kind of keep him ignorant, you know, by giving him the best of everything. But then one day, you know, the Buddha made it out and he, in the legend it says, you know, he was taking a chariot ride and was going into the town. And on that ride, he saw the four heavenly messengers. The first one was uh, like an old person and... The second one was a sick person and a, and a corpse. So those were the first three and he was very kind of shocked because he had never seen 
those things in his life before. And then the fourth one was a wandering ascetic, you know, which brought home to him the fact, you know, that there is actually a path. He just didn't know what it was. So that were the, this were the four heavenly messengers and the legend also said that they were actually, you know, gods which had been sent down from heaven in order to initiate the Buddha into his work, you know, which was actually, you know, to to articulate the Dhamma, first, you know, to find out for himself through practicing, having this sense of urgency. So he was just so determined and so focused, you know, he really wanted to find the way out of this kind of constant repetition of the same thing, the same thing and the same thing and again. So then, you know, he really, he didn't look away, you know, he really turned towards it. And, and then, you know, those heavenly messengers, which are on the first look, you know, they look like they are enemies, you know, because they speak about everything which we don't like. You know, impermanence in its worst disguise, you know, as old age, sickness and death. Uh, and for example, now it comes, you know, as, as the coronavirus, you know, which is like appropriate, you know, to our age of globalism that we now have to deal with something, you know, which is just, you know, so without any boundaries, it's going around the whole planet, just like old age, sickness and death. Everybody is touched by it. But there's not many people, you know, who know about the fourth heavenly messenger, that there is actually a path, you know, and that we can use, you know, those uh, things which are happening as part of nature, you know, that we can actually use them as a means, you know, for practice and as a, as a way, you know, to extract wisdom and compassion out of these very difficult experiences. And that's exactly, you know, what the teaching is all about, you know. And by applying, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness in combination, you know, with the template of the Noble Eightfold Path, we can actually use whatever is happening to us. So the most difficult things, you know, can be actually used to learn and to, you know, become more and more able to go with nature rather than trying, you know, desperately to go against it. And, and we can never win that way, you know, because we are just ourselves part of nature. It's just that often we are not aware of it, <laughs> you know, falling for lots of delusions, you know, that we can actually control nature via technology or artificial intelligence, all of those wonderful things, you know, which we have come up with and which do make our lives easier in some ways, but at the same time, you know, they are not outside of nature either. And, and then things happen, you know, which, are, which we cannot control. And, uh, you know, and rather than trying to just turn away from it we are now forced you know through the lockdown we are really forced like uh you know like a, a 
somebody who's been naughty in school, you know, who has to stay behind and do some extra exercise. Because they just didn't get it, you know. The teacher said it a million times and they just didn't want to hear. They didn't want to pay attention. I think of my brother. He had to very often stay longer, you know. Or I have to write something 50 times or like that. Because he was very naughty in school. And, and it feels like we are just in the same situation. You know, we are grounded now. And... We can't, you know, distract ourselves in the usual way because we haven't been paying attention. And, yeah. And, you know, this is a time for us which we can use, you know, to get our priorities right, you know, and to really kind of, why not focus on that which, where we really stand a chance, you know, to have a, a lasting impact. And the only thing, you know, where we really can have a lasting impact is onto our minds and onto our hearts we really can cultivate them you know in in ways you know which are irreversible you know that's what's called the four stages of enlightenment in a, in a Theravada teaching you might have heard about that and you know it doesn't really matter how those stages are called even I'm happy to say if somebody wants to know but the point is, you know, that we actually can liberate our minds and hearts from these three root poisons permanently. And we can also experience like a temporary liberation. Often, you know, in the meditation, if the meditation goes well, so to say, you know, if the mind settles, then those three root poisons, you know, are for the time being just like pacified. But they are under the surface, still waiting, you know. And if something happens which triggers them, then they just erupt again into the mind. But if the, you know, if those four stages of enlightenment have been uh, happening, you know, then there certain uh, levels of those uh, root poisons are, uh, you know, permanently let go of. And that's really, you know, what we are practicing for. And when things happen, you know, really difficult things happen, like, for example, the coronavirus, or we suddenly, you know, get very ill, or we, you know, suddenly notice, you know, we are also, you know, aging, not only the other people aging, but we are also aging. Or if we lose somebody, you know, we laugh, for example, that's how my past started many years ago, you know, when I was uh, 28, when my mother very suddenly passed away. She had a horse riding accident, you know. That really was for me like this huge, it was for me meeting the divine messenger, heavenly messenger, because it totally shocked me, you know. And the good thing was that it shocked me so deeply that I became teachable, you know, whereas before I hadn't been. Before I was just like um, distracting myself endlessly with lots of interesting things and some not so interesting things and some kind of, you know, not so great things and all of the rest. But after that, you know, I was just like 
ready. I was I was ready to listen. And then, you know, within one and a half year, I met my first teacher, which was Archan Buddhadasa in Thailand, a, a forest master. And yeah, because I was really ready. I was kind of... Um, you know, not that I, I had understood a lot, but I, 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 I definitely has, you know, became very kind of intimate with the fact of that we are not in control about almost everything, ultimately. And then, you know, I met somebody who had actually been able to rise above all of that mess and chaos by just turning towards that which he really could control, which was his mind. And the only, the bad news is it's not a quick fix. And, you know, it, it entails a lot of renunciation, not necessarily of things, you know, but in my case, I've also given up a lot of things because I felt like it would make it easier to focus on that which is really controllable because if we have a lot of things we have to take care of a lot of things and we get distracted easily so I felt like I am just too vulnerable in that way I just uh, put myself into a profession you know which is really dedicated towards this and that was being becoming a nun and you know doing that outside of such a strict environment is, is even more difficult, you know, to focus, I think, because of the nature, you know, of having to just uh, respond and be available for so many things. But then, you know, as we get older, we have maybe, you know, less responsibilities. And, and now through the coronavirus, you know, we have, we can't even go out. So, it's a very special opportunity, you know, to take this coronavirus as a, as a teaching, also as a divine messenger, you know, like a one of the gods which are sent down, you know, to, to show us something. And I was looking, you know, at the word, the technical term for for the virus is COVID, and the last three letters of the of the of COVID are YID and that's the root of the Latin word videre which means to see and the first two letters CO co means the Latin word with which comes from cum and you know what it means with or together so I you know in a way we can say it has a very strong symbolic message hidden in plain sight you know which says we need to turn towards and we need to see together, you know, as a global community, what we are doing, and that is not working. So COVID is the hidden message, you know, is the hidden messenger, the divine messenger, to wake us up and to make us turn towards that which we don't want to see, which we don't want to know, because we're all struggling to want to get back to life, you know, as we know it, and that would be really not a good idea. You know, and, and it's, it's okay to want it, 
but you know to be aware of it and then not necessarily believing it that this is the answer you know that would be like you know third foundation of mindfulness where feeling the desire to want to do things just like it was before It's okay, you know, to want it. It's nothing wrong with it because, you know, I have those feelings too. I want to do this, I want to do that, just like was it, it was before. But maybe that's not really possible if we want to continue, you know, to uh, have this opportunity to be born as human beings. Because the way how we are conducting ourselves isn't really working any longer very well and if we become more and more people and they all want to have you know lots of things it just doesn't work and i think it's very difficult to acknowledge that truth but that's the beginning of the shift is you know even we don't know how to deal with it but we don't need to know to just acknowledge it That, you know, is enough. We don't necessarily have to have the answers because we, you know, we have, we are very much afraid of acknowledging something where we don't have an immediate answer. Because this, you know, uncertainty is, is kind of hard to bear for us. But now, you know, we are already bearing uncertainty. We don't even know when we can do things again. So, you know, we can't get around it because life is uncertain. So I think it's a very powerful time, you know, where we all together, we are all together in this, like in a big way. And I think I'm really in awe, the, the precision of nature, you know, how nature is kind of just like taking charge, you know, because we are just too stupid, you know. We have to be really shaken up to this extent, you know, that now we have have this heavenly messenger, you know, which we can't even see. But still we are all under its influence, you know. Otherwise you wouldn't just now sit at home at Zoom. You might have, you know, done other things. So to just take that in, you know, how amazing nature actually is, how powerful and how mysterious and we are part of that process I think this is wonderful in a way you know to to be able to acknowledge that and not having to have a, an answer for it And I think somebody who doesn't meditate usually can't do this because it's too difficult. It's too, it's too kind of uh, unsettling. But that's exactly what we need to do. You know, we need to be able to bear with not knowing and not kind of disappear back, you know, into the old way of doing things because we just want to do something. No, we, we just 
just being open and allowing ourselves to be taught, you know. And this uh, virus, this coronavirus is a huge teacher to us. You know, and even in the name, we have already the message, the COVID, seeing together what we are doing. And you know, and if we can really open ourselves and take that in, you know, that we are not a victim of the coronavirus. But it actually comes to us, you know, in order to wake us up. Just the same, you know, when my mother died, first I thought that's the worst thing which ever happened to me. But now looking back, you know, like over 30 years later, it was the greatest gift, you know, after giving birth to me, that was the second greatest gift she ever gave me, you know. And, and when it happened, it didn't look like a gift. It just looked like dreadful thing you know to happen so I think that's very important you know to kind of just stop and pause and think you know maybe it isn't really a curse you know maybe it isn't really a bad thing what's happening maybe that's the only thing which could have ever opened us up it could have been much worse you know and it is very difficult for many people who have lost their jobs or who have lost, you know, loved ones who have died in, in this situation. I'm not saying, you know, that it is easy. It can be very difficult for, you know, to differing degrees for different people it is very from very difficult to not much difference so you know if we in a very difficult situation because you know economically we are you know with a lot of uncertainty that makes it even more difficult and then it's hard you know to uh, see the you know the more maybe universal side of it you know that it has a function as a, as a wake-up call because then we can easily get lost you know in 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 the economic side of things because it can be very challenging especially in a country you know like the u.s where there is you know not much care on a social, you know, uh, with, in, in, on a social services like in my own country in Austria, it's it's different, and that's also something to really look at, you know. What is really important in in life? 
it's really a time you know where we can become very clear about our priorities you know in terms of our individual lives but also like in terms of uh, you know being as, as a as a being in samsara you know repeated cycle of birth and death you know which direction do we want to go You know, do we want to use this uh, life, you know, to focus on that which we really can control and influence, which is our minds and hearts? So are we getting completely lost, you know, in uh, the material world? And at a time like COVID, you know, really... Um, wakes us up. And then we, we, it's really important to look at that. Because if we see things in this bigger context, then uh, we can really, you know, get benefit from something which is actually very difficult. And that's, you know, our, our uh, special opportunity which we have as, as human beings. Because we have, we have a, a mind which can, you know, be aware of itself. Animals don't have that kind of an opportunity. This is why, you know, the human birth is considered to be so fortunate. Because we have a, a reflexive mind. And I think it's really important when we are challenged like this right now, you know, to not forget that and to really use it. You know, whenever we get sucked into the story, however dreadful, however difficult, to just, you know, keep coming back to being aware of what we are thinking, you know, aware of the underlying mood of the mind, aware of the underlying feeling tone and, you know, grounding ourselves in the body, you know, and pulling, pulling the mind down into the body. And then keeping an open mind, you know. Keeping an open mind, not preempting, you know, what's happening in, you know, with our old preconceptions. And just keeping an open mind, who knows? You know, in a way, we all know, have known that something needs to happen to stop us in our tracks. Because we were going towards the abyss, you know, as a species. And and now it has happened. And it could have been much worse, I think. So yeah, coronavirus as a heavenly messenger, I think 
to see it in that way you know can give us uh, a sense of uh, you know benevolence the universe is benevolent but it doesn't mean you know that we always gonna have all of our wishes fulfilled but the universe is benevolent in the sense of helping us to wake up because that's what it's made for you know that's why we are here we are not here to just enjoy and have pleasant feeling tone one after the other that's not why we are here Yeah, I think, you know, that's what I, what I wanted to share and, and, you know, and, and, you know, the understanding that when you look into nature, you know, plants, they come out of the earth and then they are displaying themselves, you know, and then the time comes, they go back into the earth and then they come out again. And I think we, you know, as uh, individuals and also as a species, you know, we are, we are going through bottlenecks, you know, in the evolution of the species and also like in our personal evolution. We, you know, where we go down into the darkness and then we don't know what's going to be next. And then we come out again. And then we go down again and then we come out again. And that's how it always has been. And now it's such a time again, you know, where where we are very challenged and very kind of uh, in a tight place. And if we really, you know, pay attention and really turn towards that, we will be changed by it. And then, you know, a new flowering happens until that again you know does no longer apply and then it needs to change again and that's it and we can either you know go with that process and take the ride or we can try to fight it and i rather you know go with it because i can't stop it anyway And, and, and the teaching of the Buddha is, is a very good uh, you know a very good instructions how to maximally align ourselves with the way things truly are. They're still suffering, you know, because we get sick and we get old and we you know hurt ourselves and we all of those things, suffering is still happening, or pain is still happening, but we don't have to compound it, you know. So, I think that's what I wanted to share. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org dot org slash donate.